Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello and welcome to Gotham Sports Report. We have a big week this week. Um, we're going to break down the Knicks and the Nets. Both had big weeks this week. Um, we'll break that down, the Artemi Panarin situation. Um, but first, Morris got a little heated um, at us after we took some shots at him. So he wanted to respond. So we'll give him an opportunity to respond um, after not showing up next week. So obviously he needs some time to talk now. So we'll give him the floor and we'll see what he has to say. Mars. Good evening, everybody. I hope your day is going well. Um, I've had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to say over the past week after Joe and Jack both threw me under the bus and they didn't treat me with the proper respect. So this is what I'll say. I'm here week in, week out, no matter what, I'm bringing what I know and I'm putting all my heart into this. Last week, unfortunately, we couldn't uh, conquer time, and that was it. I'm here giving all I got for this uh, for the show, everything I got, no matter what. You guys just come at me for no apparent reason. Yes, I missed a week. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? I was uh, on another. No, podcast. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was on I another. I am sorry. Podcast. I was I on another podcast, but. Yeah, that, please talk about that. I am podcast. sorry that I'm passionate about this show, Morris. I'm sorry I'm that I show up. I don't take vacations. I'm passionate about both shows. You go to different shows. You are not loyal. You come You're to us. You're like a bandwagon I'm fan. trying to go our, our um, network. Did you give us a shout out? Did we get a shout out on the other podcast? No. And are come we here. giving a shout out we to them did. on this podcast? Are we giving a shout out to them on this podcast? We you did. We, call, we, we, you we called did. them out. Not me. You did it. We called them out, and rightfully you so. Not me. You came on. You just said you're here week in, week out, day in, day out. I, we couldn't confirm a time that wasn't my fault. Oh, sure. That's what they all say. That's what they all say. I'll, listen, I'll you could have made the time. Because, listen, if you for me and Joe, the show, Gotham Sports Report, the highlight of my week. Okay? I agree. I will cancel I agree. everything if it means sacrificing this show. Sorry, oh, you guys wish to know where if I was. You don't feel the same recording. If you guys wish to know where I was, I was at a birthday dinner that my friends took me out for. You know what? Like, you have a birthday every year. Someone has a birthday every year. Okay, every single person in the world has a birthday. Okay, which means there's eight billion birthdays every single year. Okay, yes. but there's only one Gotham for this show. Sports Sunday. You could miss it for this show. Oh, no, we recorded. You guys recorded Saturday. The listeners oh, count Saturday. on you. The listeners count on you and you let them down that's listen, all i have to say listen uh, the only people I have to apologize to are the listeners i'm listen, not apologizing to you guys i'll say that much to all our fans mars is a great ad and that's the only reason why we're busting his chops because he is the expert on the show who who tries to prepare but last week i don't know he just didn't show up for us claims it was his birthday i don't know that's debatable also and he just showed listen, up for another and, and that's why you obviously got upset a little bit about what joe had to say about Brett Garner and, and and rightfully so because he misrepresented what you had to say and he said that you were against Brett Gardner and oh, he was say that you no, 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 no. This is that's your is. fault that you didn't come let Mozart clear it up I will speak about the Brett Gardner situation I believe the signing will have, end up working out in the long term 
I just don't want to see Clint Frazier getting his at-bats taken away from him because he deserves a chance to show what he's got because we all know he could hit. He's improved in the field. I don't want to see Gardner cutting in uh, into a lefty-righty split. I don't want to see that. I want Gardner to play once a week at most. At most. Yeah. But and here's, here's the problem with that. In the locker room also. Here's the problem with that that I, that I have. If, if he struggles, if Clint Frazier struggles, let's say it's a two-week slump, I, I, this isn't a project. The Yankees aren't a project. They're a team that wants to go and win a World Series. I am putting in the best available hitter in the lineup. I don't care if he's a young and guy. I'll, and I'll still take Clint Frazier over Brett Gardner. I'll still take Clint Frazier. I don't over. think Mars is That's arguing right. that point. I think he's just arguing, like, even if, if he's not struggling, he doesn't want to see the platoon, the platoon splits between Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier, which is what I said you said. I just said that platoons work. If you yeah, have but, better, better splits against certain pitchers. Also, Brett Garner could be a backup and play three times a week. There's three outfield spots. I, yeah, no, I hope three. Spot, no, no. And the reason why I love the sign also is because he's a center fielder, which they don't have a backup for. And Aaron Hicks clearly doesn't stay healthy. So and look at all the other center fielders on the market that just signed, like Kevin Pilar and who, who's the other guy that met Albert Almore. Like these are the guys that they're below. Garner is a locker room presence that I can't express enough. How in how he's so indispensable for the Yankees. They need him so badly. And how rare is it for a guy to be on the same team for 11 years? Like, you got to bring that guy back. Yeah. He will get his uh, – I'm wondering what they'll do with his number at the end of, the, of his career. I'm really yeah. wondering. Be Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say, for, for argument's sake, spring training comes. We get through spring training. Brett Garner is clearly hitting better than Clint Frazier is. Who's your opening day center fielder? Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier. Left field, first off. Left fielder. And- Clint Frazier. I still go Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier. I think Brett Gardner understands that, too. He deserves the opportunity to be an everyday outfielder in this league, no matter what. I don't I don't think they're going to base it off of just a stronger spring yeah, training. I, mean, I think Clint Frazier The only way Clint Frazier is out of the lineup on opening day is if he's injured, in my opinion. Yeah, and Aaron Boone said it so himself. He said Clint Frazier's our starter. Like he, he also told Brett Gardner. Like Brett Gardner knows that coming in. that He's going to be on the bench. He's going to be a backup, but he's going to be a veteran presence, and he's going to be our backup center fielder, which is the most important role. And right, he could well, run. I'm glad he we cleared, run. Yeah. cleared that up. Um, well, let's move on to the news of this week. Um, the Knicks, when I talked about the Derrick Rose trade, and, and we had a little bit of a discussion about the Derrick Rose trade and the, and, and the direction that the Knicks are going in, um, where should they go all in on this year, maybe um, um, trade for a player instead of trading Julius Randle like we thought maybe going to this year where they could get maybe more picks for him or younger talent for Julius Randle. Coming into the year, we thought he was a trade candidate because a lot of teams would like a guy like Julius Randle, a lot of teams that are missing big men. But I don't think that's an option now. I think that the Knicks really have a chance to build around Julius Randle and to build around these guys as core pieces. Like you really see the energy with the Knicks at their first. This is the first time the Knicks even tasted anything close to the playoffs in years. And you see the energy that's around this team, and I wouldn't touch it. Maybe if they have the the, the – ability to add someone, but I wouldn't touch this team right now. I let it go to the offseason and build from there. If if they make the playoffs, great. If they don't, it's okay. I, I think of it as like a net situation from a couple of years ago where they only have to go up, right? That's really the only place that they're going to go is up from now. What do you guys think? Definitely agree with that statement, Jack. They've been playing. You want to see what this squad has to offer. You don't want to see – guys that they may potentially bring in for the long run. This squad right now looks like a cohesive squad. 
that could potentially maybe one or two Super Bowl potentially be that Nets team that were D'Angelo Russells and Joe Harris and random guys off the street that were playing well together as a group. You want to see that out of your next, my next squad right now. And you want to see them playing together because they're, they're doing something that a Knicks team that hasn't done in maybe 15 years, play defense. It's amazing to watch. Really, like they're playing together. They love playing. Love you see. They love each other. You see them with Julius Randle with uh, R.J. Barrett. They all love to be and on the bench. They're all hyped. It's, it was, I haven't seen this in so long. So it's good to see the cohesiveness of this roster. You don't want to break that apart if you're Leon Rose, in my opinion. I do think they'll obviously need a couple of superstars later on in the future, whether that's Giannis or whoever it is, but. They do have a long ways to go to compete for a championship, but I do see the turnaround coming. It's crazy to see, like, what a really bona fide head coach does for a team when you finally bring in a guy with such a reputation like Tom Thibodeau. And you see, like, the results in this past week. Like, the Knicks just beat the Pacers last night, and they contended all week. They beat the Timberwolves. They lost one game against the Warriors, but even that game itself was a very close game. And to me, that's just like the first stage of a turnaround in your rebuild when you're losing close games, but you're there. You're there till the end against really good teams. And they were they were holding down the Warriors till the very end. Like great teams win those games, but good sometimes like like the Knicks who are just in between being good and great and um, bad and good, like those are games that you're gonna lose, but like that's what you take positives out of because that's when you're finally rebuilding, you're finally putting that team chemistry together that eventually when you add that one more piece, you're gonna be winning those games down the line. I know you guys don't like when to talk about hockey, but this reminds me of the Islanders before and after they hired um, before and after they hired Barry Trotz. They went from the worst defensive team in hockey to the best defensive team in hockey in one year after they hired him. They went from a team that didn't make the playoffs to a team that became a Stanley Cup contender within two years. This is the type of coach that Tom Thibodeau is—a guy that could implement a system regardless of who's playing for him and get the most out of those players. And I don't think right now, this early in the process, the Knicks should be going to get a star. Because I think that what's happened in the past and what's happened with the Knicks is, and Knicks fans is that they expect to jump from point A to point D, where they say, all right, we're winning a couple of games. We're stringing together wins with these guys. They look like they're developing. Let's go get Giannis. Let's go get KD. Let's get Kyrie. But, but that's just an expectation that the fans have. And I think that now, especially after all of these years of disappointment, the Knicks fans and the, and the Knicks are just happy to get wins. And they're happy to have a chance at the playoffs. And I think that that's the best way for them to succeed. And that's the best way for them to move forward is to say, we're not going to get the Stars. We're not going to get Bradley Beal. It's not realistic. I know the media wants to hype it up, but it's not realistic that the Knicks will get Bradley Beal. For them to just be happy with Julius Randle, who's an all-star, who's an all-star player, to lead your team to the playoffs, it's good for this year. It's good for the Knicks. Uh, I don't know why, like, the media took the team that wasn't even projected to get 25 wins this year. Oh, and now they have to get a star. They, they should be happy with what they have now. I agree. I agree. They can be content with that. But the only way they'll compete for a cha- in the long run, nobody is saying this team, this roster is going to win a championship ever. They will not – this roster – and in today's NBA, you need minimum two all-stars, two great players, and most usually three nowadays. This Knicks roster barely has one. Barely has one reliable guy. Like, 
Do you see any over. star on this team? Like not not like like Julius Randle level. Like, I mean, not even considered a star in my eyes. Right, yes. but there's a difference between like I'm having like, stars and trying to win championships versus like trying to make your team respectable. How about I mean, haven't been respectable? That's the way. That's the right direction where they went. They, Out of the young people, who do you see being like the biggest actual? RJ Barrett's the biggest asset on this Knicks roster right now. But do you yeah. see him as a star going forward? I don't I, see him. I see him as a reliable player. But I don't see him as a star jumps, leading. I've a lot of jumps from him in the past couple of years. He's uh, in this past season. He's played better, more content. He's holding on to the ball more, and he's but, improving under Coach Tom Thibodeau, which we do want to see. Yeah, I can't. I can't deny that. But when you say like you need the two to three stars to win, do you see R.J. Barrett being that guy in the future? I see him as a, a B, a B, uh, a, a, a good. A great third star, but he's a good second option on the floor. I'd always because one thing he does great is penetrate. He gets to the yeah. rim at will, which is and which will create options for other players. Last year, he had so much responsibility trying to kick out to players who were really unable to shoot. This year, they put guys around who could shoot a little bit, like um, just off the top of my head, Alec Burks. Uh, Manuel quickly can shoot the ball. Derrick Rose has been knocking it down lately. And so they've had they have guys around that can shoot now. So which is fits better to Barrett. Yeah, and I think that's very fair because what we're seeing out of him is a big step up from what we saw last year. And don't forget it, how old is he? Like 20 years old. So he's only gonna be improving from now. It's just he if he's able to develop that jump shot, he could really be a star because his ability to get to the rim is very impressive for a guy of his age. That's my my only issue is that the biggest thing when he was going to college it was what a shooter he was. Now he's yeah. really lost touch with that. He's shooting 32% from three in the season. Had and a good game last night. Against he, the he had a good game, but he did miss a big free throw down the stretch. They were up two. He was going to the line for two shots. He, he missed both free throws, excuse me. They were up two with about 14 seconds left, and he missed both free throws, which is something you don't want to see out of a guy you trust down the stretch. You want to see, yeah. the, you want to see him knocking down free throws. He's only shooting 73% this year, which isn't great. But that also comes with age, like – He's still a developing player, and he's still extremely young. So as he gets older, he's going to work on it, and he's going to become much better. I agree. I agree. I, 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 there's a lot of room. There's a lot of growth with RJ. My and, question to you guys, a little bit, honestly, they've now the past two games they've scored 140 and 100 um, and over okay. 100 points without Alfred Payton. Do you see possibly that the Knicks go without Alfred Payton even when he becomes healthy? I think they never should have had him to begin with. He was He's not the future of the Knicks. He's, um, I believe, who's the Knicks GM? Rose? John Rose, he's one, of those, he's one of those layovers from the previous regime that, that's just not um, part of the future of the yeah, Knicks. Yeah, but I, I still see Thibodeau going to him because Thibodeau loves relying on his veteran players. He, he likes starting these older guys and getting sure-fired wins and developing the rookies as much as the fans want him to. So I still see him playing a role in this team. But this year, at least, I don't know about going forward. The only issue I'll say with um, playing Alfred Payne too much, I like the way he's he's taking care of the ball, and you know what it is? He's a, a pass-first mentality point guard, which they don't have a, another one on the roster, meaning Derrick Rose is a scorer. As, as much as he's creating for everybody, he's still scoring. Emmanuel quickly, honestly, he doesn't look like such a point guard right now. He's a, more of a two, but they have to play him at the one for the lack of a guard that's on the roster. So he's a young Lou Will in my eyes. Like he's I don't, see, he's not a he's not a facilitator. He's a scorer. He's a scorer. Yeah, but like back to the R.J. Barrett talk, we're seeing these improvements out of him, and he's only twenty years old. It just it just baffles me to even consider trading him away right now, especially for Bradley Beal, who's not who hasn't helped the team win in his life. 
where did you hear that trading him away? That would be uh, it would people be, have said it. People have put him in that uh, conversation. Uh, but Bradley Beal's not getting traded away anytime soon, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree. agree. Either, the media keeps bringing up the narrative that Bradley Beal. Yeah, the media doesn't know anything. We, we're, we live I in agree, and I don't think it would make sense. I don't think it would make sense for the Knicks right now, and I don't think it would make sense for Bradley Beal or the Wizards um, because the Knicks don't have great picks, and they're not going to have a great pick in the next couple of drafts. Bradley Beal's not going to want to come to a team that's basically a, a, a step or two above the Wizards, and I don't yeah, think the Knicks are ready to one get one star and, 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 and be vaulted up. But I wanted to move on from a team that doesn't have any stars to teams that, that do, but those stars just don't oh, Jack, let me correct you. The court the you have – the upcoming Dallas Mavericks pick, which could turn out better than expected, but we'll get to that. Not after they won. Not after Not that. Dallas big seems team. to be. They're still a 500 team. The ninth, uh, ninth place. Well, team. Another first round pick. Wasn't what another, another first round pick is another asset. But well, it's a different question okay. for a different day. We'll talk about that later when we get closer to the draft. But, um, really on to the Nets. We haven't seen all these guys on the court together. And I think even after this eight-game winning streak, which was snapped last night, um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned um, considering just how much either Kyrie's been off the court, KD's been off the court. It's really been a hardened show for the Nets. And while he's been able to carry them, him with Kyrie, on that eight-game winning streak, it is a little bit concerning that we're, go- we're getting to the halfway point of the season and we've only seen a handful of games with the big three together. So how, how can we really judge this team going forward? How could we assess this team going forward? How, how, how could we see the gelling of this team moving forward without actual substance, without actual evidence that we've seen them play on the court? They're, no matter what, we saw the seven games that they played together and they're playing cohesively. And they're all giving each other their lee room, let them go make plays for our other players. It's not, I, At this point, it's not even about them. The injuries that for KD and now Kyrie, who've been out for the past few games, have opened up opportunities for guys you wouldn't think. Bruce Brown's been a guy who you can now think you can rely on a little bit more down the stretch. Joe Harris, obviously, we know he's shooting 50% out uh, from the field, one of the great shooters in this game. Um, Andre <laughs> Robinson got minutes last night. He's a reliable defender that they picked up off the scrap heap. Even Shamit's been stepping up lately. Jack Ooh. Hayes, Landry Shamit's even been yeah, stepping up. Yeah, Shamit had a game. Shaman, Jack Green, guys that you know, shot three, five and nine four. from three. That's why I think these injuries did work out in, and benefited the Nets a little bit. You saw, you're seeing these guys with get opportunities that wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right, but I think I agree with you on that point. I agree with you that the other role players are getting more of an opportunity to show what they've got, so that the bench could could develop. But I think it's concerning to see Kevin Durant out for so long. He was obviously out for a week with protocols. He's been out with the hamstring injury. And he's coming off of his Achilles, which kept him out for a year. So I think that it is a pattern that we have to look at. That actually, I, have this. I think it's beneficial to him. The amount of time he's missed, obviously a lot was due to COVID protocols, a lot of injury. Yes, it's a little bit scary. But I think it's a good thing in this sense that they're not overworking him and they're not forced to overwork him. Yeah, but they were going to give him load management anyways. It's yeah. only, so it's I only think a it's good, good thing if he's, if he's not actually hurt and like he could have came back, but they're holding him out. Like It's not a good I think, thing. I think, if he's hurt. Hurt. I think he's actually hurt. But Yeah, so then I, I don't know how that could yeah, be. Yeah, he's going to miss through the All-Star break. So it's, obviously, Anytime you have a guy who's coming back from missing a year because of a torn Achilles and 
he's missing more time because of different injuries. Obviously concerning, but it's, it's good rest. And like, look, yes, it's concerning. Uh, I'm happy he's not playing in the All Star game. Definitely, if that's what you're saying, then yeah, I I I'd rather them hold him out. Through the yeah, game. they're holding him out four more games. He'll Especially be when you're on an eight game right? win streak, like there's and no point you, rushing him back. See them play cohesively together. Seven, like obviously, it's only a hand, it's seven games, but we see, did see them play together and learn. They're still learning to play together, which is a and, and we knew about their scoring, but during this streak that they were winning, it was it wasn't only scoring. Their defense took a major, major step up, right? And they were playing extremely cohesive as a unit. So I would not rush KD back in any sense because there's there's no urgency. We're playing like possibly even better than when he was on the court as a team, at least. But I think that's a problem. Like you want him to be a part of the team. You want no, 100%. him to be. Yeah, of course. You still need that big man presence. He was, he's still a seven footer. Oh, he, he's going to be five down the stretch. Just, we know that already. Right. But I think that also, also what we've seen over this winning streak is just how crucial, right? How great that trade for Harden was. Like how much it's already paying off within the first month of the deal how right Sean Marks was to literally give the farm up for James Harden, just how valuable that was. We've seen it already coming to fruition. We've seen what Harden could do as a facilitator on defense, um, as a shooter, just all around how he could lead this team when Kevin Durant hasn't um, because he couldn't with injury. Is there any chance the Nets even win without Harden? Because honestly, the way that they're they've been playing, like I don't see how they could have won without with just Kyrie and KD. I I disagree with that for this point. I I think the rest of the rosters in the NBA have taken a hit. The Lakers without AD have looked a shell of themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that that's the only way. The only the lack of competition for the uh, for the team uh, other the teams. Team. Have been just they haven't been as great as I thought they would. I guess I'd have to assume that they still have Jared Allen, and then they, they wouldn't have yeah, that Jared Allen, problem. They probably wouldn't have Levert due to his uh, kidney, but they have Jared. I Allen. hope they wouldn't have him because then they trade him. Who knows what if it would right. ever be? You wouldn't have had the physical. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, yeah. Like, thank God. Like he was probably my probably one of my favorite players, but like I have to be happy that he got traded at the end of the day, just because of that. Just because of that. Right, so from the Nets, obviously the Nets, uh, we'll see where they go forward. But it's really all good things. Like, like we're criticize, like we're criticizing, we're analyzing, but this team is a team that that could really go to the finals and have a chance. Uh, we don't know how long AD is going to be out. Marsh, do you know how long AD is expected to be out? Another four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. Four yeah. Three, another four to six weeks, and it's a calf strain. That's what they're saying right now, which is connected to the Achilles. Right, which could it's linger. So there's really a window. There's the Lakers really, window really have to be taking really. So the, yeah. there's a window this year for the Nets, and obviously there's very high expectations for what they could do. The only team okay. I see beating them in the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers, who are one of the best defensive teams, but they did take a bad L last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to move to another story, really kind of an odd story and sad, obviously, with, with – the Rangers, and this week there was a story that dropped in the Russian papers that the Rangers star, who they got in free agency last year, Artemi Panarin, um, had assaulted a woman back in Russia while he played in the KHL in 2011. Um, he struck a woman who was, I, I believe, 20 years old at the time and then paid bribes for it to be kept quiet. 
And the person who came out on the record against Artemi Panarin was his past coach um, at the time, was Andre Nazarov, um, who is also in the past criticized Artemi's Panarin, uh, Artemi Panarin's um, political views and political stances in opposition to Vladimir Putin. So obviously there's a, there's kind of a line of, of really, this is like a story where it's not so much like we see here, the Me Too movement. I'm sorry, the lady was 18. It's not so much as the Me Too movement here in America where we saw um, the Mets general manager get fired because of his actions. This is more of a political theatrics, political retribution um, for what Artemi Panarin did. And obviously, um, we would never want to see this happen. And obviously, we want to see proof, but we haven't seen that so far. What do you guys think about this? I think it's crazy um, that he has to go through this. My biggest question about the situation is, if what the media and what Panarin and all his teammates are claiming that this is a fabricated story by Russia and attempt to bring down Panarin because of his anti-Putin beliefs, then what's to stop Russia from just producing any woman to come and testify against him and then what because there's that they, you they have a woman so they have that that proof and there's there's no way for him to say i didn't do it they have someone that says he did do it right but they can't really do they can't do anything to panarin because he lives in america but they could do something to his family but um like you see with ennis Cantor's family in, in turkey they could take his family into custody and obviously he took he took time away from the Rangers this past week to try to deal with this situation. But you just see the power that Putin has. Um, he threw Navalny in jail, who was, who's the person that Panarin supported. He throws his opposition in jail, and, and, and Panarin is that opposition. Right? Putin is very into sports. He's very into um, hockey in general. And to have someone in hockey from Russia be against him, that's a threat to Putin. And he has so much control over Russia that he'll target you if you're against him. And there were four players um, who live in, in North America and played on the cage in the KHL with Panarin, who refuted this story wholeheartedly, said Panarin was not that kind of guy. He was a great teammate, and they heard nothing of the sort before. So even if they produce someone, I don't think that it will be such a big story. But how does this situation end? If that happens, like he, he's his family's in trouble. How does the NHL let him back in if there's someone on the record saying that he physically assaulted a woman? Well, the NHL wholeheartedly, um, wholeheartedly denied um, the claims, and they and they look them and the Rangers look to be behind Panarin. I don't think that's going to change, regardless of what. One of the most important parts of the story: the teammates are behind him. The NHL's behind him. His former teammates are behind him. I think that's one of the, the biggest parts of the story. Right, and I think that you compare that to the Domingo Herman stuff from this week. You compare the, the wholehearted support for Panarin against um, Zach Britton and, and Boy. you said we don't even trust Domingo Herman after he hit a woman in front of them uh, last year where, where he was suspended um, by Major League Baseball. And then the player said, we don't even want to look at him, basically. We don't, we don't think of him as, as a brother. We think of him as a teammate, and we don't get to choose our teammates. It's completely different than that situation. Which it says it wholeheartedly, where I believe Panarin will end up back in the NHL at some point this season. 
no matter what the political status. Um, look, if they end up finding that Panarin did hit this woman, which I don't believe is true based on what everybody's been saying, usually good things, good people don't do bad things, usually that way. And from all I've been hearing about Panarin is that he's a great person, great teammate. And yes, people do make mistakes, but they don't make that kind of mistakes if they're not a good person. Domingo Vermont is a bad person. But how'd you know that from before? Like, they didn't know he was a bad person until he smacked his girlfriend. Friends, like, to, to, to smack someone, it's not like he did it at home and there was a video like Ray Rice. He's in front of the whole Yankees at a, at a charity event in a parking yeah. lot in front of Yankees players while they're watching. It's not like there was a video and it came out and or the media reported it. Yankee players reported that Herman did this. They went to the team. As they should have. Oh, the club in baseball, everybody knew about Mickey Callaway and said nothing. But Domingo Herman, he smacked a woman and everybody said something. He did it at a charity event. Like he's he's the t- dumbest level of stupidity that you could get at. He shouldn't have done it at home. He shouldn't have done it in front of anyone. But my question is, and I guess I'm just asking because I don't know enough about the situation, is that Panarin's teammates are wholeheartedly denying it. But that's just based off the fact that he's a good guy. But right, but I mean? think that if they if if Panarin did what they said and had to give bribes to officials and the media and other players for, for the story to be quiet. That means other people would have known, right? If he's hit someone and money had to be exchanged between different parties and people had to cover for him and the coach had to cover for him, someone else would know. It, it wouldn't just be the coach saying this 10 years later after endorsing him to get to the NHL him being one of the best players in the NHL for years, him getting a contract with the Rangers, it would have came out before if it if it was actually an issue, and I, I, I obviously the Me Too movement. A lot of people wait, and and it's a number of years before something like this happens. But usually, it's the woman that comes out. It's not a former coach, who's a political rival. Um, but anyways, um, we will talk next week, uh, Sunday at four thirty. Gotham Sports Report. Thank you for listening. We are glad to have Morris back. Um, hopefully big, he'll show up next week. Hopefully we'll get to hear from him again and his valuable opinions. Um, so thank you again, and we'll see you next week.